You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Big Show was powered by MortgagesToGo.ca. Always the lowest interest rates in Canada since 2004. Visit MortgagesToGo.ca. At the bottom of the hour, we'll talk some Super Bowl props. With the host of the Bet the Board podcast, an insanely popular betting podcast, Todd Furman will join us, former odds maker at Caesars Palace. You can also see him on CBS Sports HQ. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour. Also, still taking your text messages at 960-960, name and location. Uh, we'll do this to wrap up the show, and we'll do our lock of the day. For the Paris Olympics this summer, on every medal that will be handed out, there is a piece of iron. That was used, the original iron, to construct the Eiffel Tower. What piece of Calgary would go in an Olympic medal? 960-960, name and location. Our next guest is the voice of the Flames on Sportsnet, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Somewhere near beautiful New Jersey, we said good morning to Rick Ball. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm well, thanks, guys. I'm actually in beautiful Manhattan right now. I decided to stay central. And then okay. just zip out to the games that aren't at MSG. Mm. So, love New York. So, Favorite place to visit on the circuit. Manhattan better than Newark? <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> I haven't checked the uh, Zagat ratings yet, but I think uh, maybe okay. by a small percentage it's got an edge on Newark. So. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm putting you on the spot here, Rick. What little piece of Calgary should go in a medal, or do you want to do that at the end of the interview so you have time to think about oh, it? How about that big blue ring up by the airport? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Might actually be something useful then. Okay. You know? <laughs> um, am, am I wrong that I thought it was some sort of equipment for oil and gas when I got here? Yeah, the first time I saw it, I thought, is that a weather vane? I'm not sure what it was exactly. And then somebody <laughs> said, no, it's just a work of art on a freeway. I'm like, well, great. That seems like money okay. well spent to me. How do you guys <laughs> think that artist feels nowadays? I don't blame him. Does <laughs> somebody commission? I always say this to people. Whenever you, like, you know, you always, some whatever business you work in, you go, how did that guy get that job? And then, you know, you kind of, and then they present that person. You go, it's not his fault. Somebody offered him a job. Somebody said, <laughs> yeah, make a big blue exactly. ring and here's a bunch of money. I'm like, good. Good for you. I'll blame that guy. That That, that <laughs> is gal. awesome. Um, I think we heard it in your voice a little bit. How surprised were you when Bingo Bango, first period, Kuzmenko scores his first as a flame? Yeah, I mean, first, it wasn't just the goal. The first shift that line had, they looked dangerous. I thought, wow, they got something going tonight. And then right away on the power play, he puts it home. Um, so that's encouraging. One game sample size. But, sure. uh, you know, I thought it was the best game that Huberto's played in a long time. As Maybe as, since he's been a flame. He had a lot of jump in his game, and there seemed to be some chemistry there between those two guys. Kuzmenko, as we know, it was in Rick Tockett's doghouse for some reason, but the guy can score. He had 39 last year. That doesn't just happen by accident, and 14 of those on the power play. So, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, and that was a pretty good debut for, for number 96 as a Calgary Flame. And, yeah, I, it was great. It was great to watch. They played with a ton of energy, and that seemed to trickle down through the whole team. And um, probably their best effort is the year as a, of the year as a, as a club, and that's a tough place to win and to do it. I mean, not just win, but dominate the Bruins at home as they uh, cruise to that victory was very impressive. 
Like, between the style of play that we're seeing with that line, Lindholm goes out, Kuzmenko gets added, and Sharon Govich goes to the middle. Did you see any kind of changes as far as just how that line played stylistically? Well, they played with a lot of pace, for sure. I don't, you know, it's, can I analyze exactly how Sharon Govich looked as a center as opposed to a winger, as I was calling the game? Pretty difficult to do, other than the concern was, because Lindholm is such a responsible 200-foot player, and Sharon Govich hasn't been playing center ice, would they fall off defensively? And it was not an issue at all because they had the puck in the offensive zone every time they were on the ice. So best way, what's, you know, the, the best way to play uh, in terms of preventing goals at one end is to keep the puck on the other end, and that's what they did. So any liabilities in the defensive side of the game that people had concerns about with that line when they saw it put together certainly were not evident against a very good Boston Bruins team. Again, just one game, but... Uh, you know, no complaints from my end in terms of how they play. They did everything they had to do, and if they bring that game, you know, nine games out of ten, they're going to be very successful. I don't know about you, but as that game was going on in the first little bit, I'm like, okay, I'm watching. They're rolling through some lines. Like, okay, there's something that can work here. And then Pospisil got tossed from the game and everything got thrown in the blender. What did you make of just the yeah. way that maybe Pelche and Rooney ended up skating more because Pospisil got maybe a little bit aggressive on one of the game's bigger rats? Yeah, I although I don't know. Like I, I looked at that replay again the, after the game. I thought, I mean, he definitely had both hands on the stick, but it looked like he got him with the glove. It was close, uh, and I'm not surprised at all. There's not going to be any supplemental discipline. I didn't think of in terms of the you know the long list of egregious fouls committed in National Hockey League history. I don't think it makes the top ten thousand, but um, you know it did kind of mix things up a little bit. And and Rooney and Peltier coming back off shoulder surgeries, both of them playing their first games of the year, I thought played really well. Rooney, I thought, looked really good, actually. Um, the one thing about having an upper body injury is that once you're able to get back on your feet in terms of uh, skating, uh, you wind up being in very good shape because all you do is bag skate for six months, right? So I've talked to lots of guys that had that. I remember talking to Joel Colburn back in the day, and I think he had a hand injury once, and he said he came back after two months. He's never been in better shape mid-season in his life because he just worked, he just skated nonstop every day. So... Uh, they didn't seem to have a lack of energy for sure. Maybe some of the finish and finesse takes a little time to come around when you haven't played for a while, but I thought both those guys looked particularly ruining. I thought Pelsier looked okay, too. He bumped up and played on the cadre line when Pospisil got tossed out. But, uh, you know, Rooney had that great chance in a partial break, and uh, Swayman was able to make the save. But, yeah, no complaints. Really, I, it's difficult to look at anybody on that roster the other night in Boston and, and say, yeah, he wasn't very sharp. I thought they all played very well all like team skaters and i thought markstrom in a tricky game to play was good too because there were long stretches where he, i think the brewers didn't go without a shot for 12 minutes at one point in the second period mm-hmm. those are tough sometimes on a goalie so uh he was he was strong as well uh being around the team rick was there maybe i don't know is relief the right word that the lindholm situation has been resolved and they know that you know he's not here that's it he's off to potentially win a Stanley Cup with the Canucks, but now we can kind of concentrate on what we're doing here in Calgary? Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. I, You know, I, I, like he didn't strike me as the kind of guy who was going to be a distraction, but he wasn't playing very well based on his standards. Right. Um, it was sort of just a matter of waiting for the, for the move to happen. Everybody knew it when it became clear that they were not close in terms of what he wanted to resign and what they were willing to pay. And once that was apparent, now you're just kind of waiting and that's a tough spot for everybody to be in. So I, I don't think it's um, again, I don't think Lindholm was a 
complainer or anything, but the reality is that uh, when you're just waiting for a move to happen until it does, uh, it feels like you're on hold, and um, it's probably good for him. I mean, he looked good in his debut with Vancouver, and it's good for the team as well because, uh, you know, players know, right? They, they understand what's going on. So and you're sitting around just waiting for the, for the uh, trigger to be pulled. It finally gets pulled. I think there's probably a little more certainty going forward in terms of how things are going to look and it, uh, it it maybe does help the team focus a bit more. And then also injecting some new blood into the lineup never hurts at all, right? Um, there's no doubt Kuzmenko was pumped to get to a team and chance to play on the top line. And uh, and his line mates, as a result, look like they fed off that energy. So a lot of different factors, I think, in the way they played the other night and, uh, and just having a little more certainty in how the roster is going to look going forward doesn't hurt. At least for the forward group, right? We're still unsure with the defense with Hannafin and Tanev, but Braden Pahal got claimed. Um, do you expect to see kind of more claims like this? And what did you make of him coming in and playing his first game as a member of the Calgary Flames? Because if they trade Tanev and Hannafin, it's going to be a lot of guys like Pahal that end up filling up this uh, six-man front for the defense. Yeah, if they, if they move both those guys, it'll be a little thin back there. Those guys are good players. My prediction is, and I'm not in the – Business of making predictions because you can look <laughs> pretty bad pretty quick. But if I had to bet a dollar, I'd say Tanif probably gets moved and Hannafin probably resigns. Um, now I know there's been talks about on and off with Hannafin. I don't I don't have any insider information. Um, seems like they were getting close a couple weeks ago, and now he still hasn't resigned. So maybe things have swung the other way a little bit. But that's a guy that makes a lot of sense to me to resign, right? He's 20. He just turned 27 years old. This is not an aging player. Uh, that's you're going to regret signing. If they do get him, he, they sign him for eight years. He'll be 35 at the end of that deal. And the way he skates and how good an athlete he is, he'll still be a serviceable player at that age. So I have no issue at all. If he wants to stay and I have, my, my feeling is that if the deal's right, he'll, he wants to stay. He likes Calgary. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. It's probably more about what where he sees the team being in the next few years, right? And uh, does he want to be a part of that? Does he want to go through a full rebuild at this point in his career? Um, but a uh, long-winded way of saying, I, if, if they can get it done, that's a guy I signed. Hanev, I'd love to keep him around, but, uh, you know, there's so much demand for him. You could, like, listen, it's not possible. I don't know that you, you can't can't structure a trade this way, but you could, there's a chance they were, if they trade him, they can sign him back in Calgary. If he wants to come back as a free agent this summer too. Right. So sure. um, that's happened before. Uh, but oh, anyway, Greg... get back. Pardon me. Sorry. We had, we had Greg Wachinski on the show, Rick earlier the, this week, ESPN NHL senior writer. And he's saying that they think they can get a first for Tanev. If you can get a first for Tanev, I make that trade right now, right? If that's true, it depends on. And again, it could be a low first because you'd probably be sending him to a to a contender. Although if sure. Ottawa's interested, that might be a high first. You, you know, like you. So, although that trade would be a bit of a head scratcher for me, sending him to Ottawa because uh, you would think it would be a team that needs that uh, veteran guy in the back end to make a push for the Stanley Cup. But it never hurts to have somebody of his mm-hmm. caliber both in the room and on the ice. Uh, working with some young guys and setting the tone. So uh, I can understand why Ottawa would want him, but it would seem like a better fit on a team that's got a chance to go all the way. So, yeah. Anyway, getting back to what you were asking me initially about Hall, came as advertised. Played, what, 12 minutes and he had six hits? <laughs> that's pretty good. So, yeah. um, you know, and he's a Western Canadian kid. I like what I saw out of him. He's exactly what uh, people said he was. He's, 
you know, he's a physical guy, likes to throw the body around. He'll be a third-pairing defenseman. And, um, yeah, they're going to have to add some guys with a little bit, at least, NHL pedigree uh, in their background to if they're going to start moving guys off the blue line because it'll get pretty thin pretty fast just in terms of experience back there. And that's just the reality when you're in the position the Calgary Flames are. So we see, we'll see how it shakes down and if we get more Braden Pahals um, in the next couple of weeks if they do make some trades. Rick Ball is the voice of the Calgary Flames for Sportsnet, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose, 960. The fan, does this feel like, and it wouldn't be, but sort of an audition for Jacob Markstrom tonight? Obviously, there's a lot of talk potentially tying Jacob Markstrom to the New Jersey Devils, who have who have had issues in goal pretty much the entire season. Do you kind of feel like this is an important start for the Flames and Jacob Markstrom here, if in fact he does get the net tonight? Yeah, I don't know that it would change anything in terms of how, I mean, if he gets lit up for five goals or posts a shot, <laughs> I'm not sure the devil is thinking, you know, they watch, right? Everybody knows what he's, he's been terrific this season. So um, every team has pro scouts, you know, crawling around the league, paying attention to any, any potential guy they might be interested in. So I'm not sure it's one game is going to make that much of a difference, but you're right, their goaltending has been uh, subpar here in New Jersey on a team that had high expectations this year. Now they've been beat up to a ton of injuries, but I mean, Vanacek's got an 888 save percentage and Dawes is what, 890 or something like that. I mean, that's just not going to get it done if you want to go deep in the playoffs. So um, they would definitely be high on the list of guys who would be interested in Jake in Jacob Markstrom if the Flames ultimately make a move and if Markstrom agrees to it. So we'll see how that all shakes down. But, uh, you know, I think he'd be a great fit with any team. He's, he, he really has played well. I mean, I, I can't overstate what a bounce back season this has been for Markstrom after, you know, a difficult year by his standards last year. And he, he has just been, you know, even though his numbers aren't top five in the NHL, I, I say right now he's a top five goalie in the national hockey league. I mean, I've watched him play every single game this season in person and uh, he has been simply outstanding. Wanted to ask you about Martin Pospisil as well because he gets that extension. And I just wonder, do you think he's been the funnest player to watch this season between his scoring early on when he came up and then just everything else that he brings to the game since then? I would agree with that statement. I, you know, I don't know fun. I don't know how to quantify it exact, exactly, except since Kachuk left, they haven't had a guy like that, right? That just gets under the skin of opponents. He does it every shift, and sometimes you can't even figure out why. He's just on the ice, and next thing you know, it's a bunch of face washing and head slapping, and they were like, what's going on? How did that all start? But um, you need a bit of that in your lineup. It's the sandpaper factor, as the old cliche goes. And they they, they really didn't have it with, with Kachuk out of the lineup and you know some of the toughness that they had over the last couple of years not there anymore. So, um, yeah, I, he, uh, he drags guys into the game, and... Um, and he really, you know, I think you saw it when he w- was out of the lineup for those four games after the injury that um, that the Kadri-Zeri combination wasn't as effective. So that's a good fit. He's a good fit on that line. He helps stir the pot. And uh, and, and they're better with those three guys together than when, when Pospisil's not there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love watching him play. He's, uh, you know, a couple of good stories in this team. Guys, like, did anybody see Martin Pospisil being a regular contributor right. at the NHL level this year? And even Zeri is... I think exceeded expectations this season. So, um, but yeah, Pospisil's definitely been a uh, been a you know what disturber, and it, it, it's the kind of guy that you, you know fans of the team love and opponents hate. But uh, uh, you know you can't. Every team needs one or two of those guys for sure, and it's nice to have them if you're a Flames fan. What have you made of Oliver Shillington so far? 
I think he's looked pretty good. Uh, I thought he played pretty well last night, actually. You know, I didn't. I, I was talking to Huska uh, earlier this week, and he asking about Shillington. He thought he played a really good first game. Sagged a bit the second game. Not surprisingly, uh, that's going to happen. You know, you get a little bit of that energy of coming back, and then uh, sometimes it wears off. But I thought he was pretty sharp. You know, he's got all the skills. He's a great skater. He made that move in his own zone where he split two guys who were trying to hit him, and they went full Keystone Cops and ran into each other, which was kind of funny. But, um, you know, I, it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me at some point in the not-too-distant future if we see him on the power play. He's not there yet, but, you know, he hasn't played really at all except for the last three games in almost two years. So give him a little time to sharpen up his uh, – you know, some of the details and, and uh, he's just, he's got a skill set I think that could help their power play. So we'll see if and when that shakes down, but uh, for the time being, you know, um, it's a work in progress, but you can see why they were really happy to get him back. He's such a good skater. He really is the, you know, in terms of fluidity in skating and some of his playmaking ability right near the top of the, of the heap in terms of the flames defenseman. So, um, you know, so far so good in a very short stretch since he's been back. Uh, Rick Ball is the voice of the Calgary Flames for Sportsnet. Rick, we'll be watching tonight. Thanks for this. Appreciate it, boys. Take care. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Um, Markstrom shut out tonight, and then they get to fleece the Devils, Matty. Is that what's going to happen? Oh, boy. I don't know. <laughs> fleece the Devils? Mm. Hey, Craig Conroy, don't deal with that guy. Yeah, this guy's guy's a bit of a stick a when shooter. it comes to making deals. So he's a shooter. Keep your head on his swivel out there. Yep. Let's see what. The, uh, we got a texter saying uh, first for Tanev is ridiculous. No, it's not. Like if the market really heats up, I don't think it's ridiculous at all. No, I don't. Especially with what's out there this year, this UFA yep. market is incredibly weak. This yep. rental market is incredibly weak. And if uh, the Senators, listen, who, if the who, Senators, which playoff team does not want someone who blocks a million shots, barely yeah. leaves the game for injury, even when he eats a puck with his face? Yeah. And, and yeah. like, <sighs> ridiculous. I don't know. Heart and soul, great guy in the room, will do anything to win a hockey game. Doesn't have to play 25 minutes, but can no. if he needs to. Yeah. Like you said, we'll do anything to win a hockey game. Brings you yeah. next to zero offense, but who cares? Because what he does defensively is... Yeah. Yeah. You can't necessarily put a dollar mm-hmm. on it. Especially um, because well, the it's that one side on the power play, right? It's on the one side on the PK where you get the one-timers going blocker side. And how many times have we seen him go out and block an OV one-timer, a Stamkos oh, yeah. one-timer, a Thompson one-timer... Doesn't yep. matter. Listen, if the Senators want to give up a first round pick, it obviously wouldn't be this year because Wolf, like they, I don't, they'd be, if they want to, sure. Cool. Well, It'll be means. a lottery pick. Yeah, let's go. Great. But even if Make they want to give up today. a first, yeah, first in the next two years, I'm in. They also, they're going to stink next year, too. They also have, how about this? They have Boston's first. Oh, well, that's a, that's a high one. But hey, still, still be in the first round. That that's what I mean. And and you get more first round picks. Maybe you move up in the first round. Yeah, you know that's uh, that's something that was suggested to us by uh, was it Frank? Uh, yeah. Frank Books. Yeah, Books said that. Books said it. that that maybe they package the first to move up in the draft. Try and get into the top twenty. Excited. Yeah, that's where the All right. that's where the money players are. Speaking of money, you ready to make some money with some uh, really good information? 
No. Okay. Just kidding. I love making money. Yeah. Todd Alternate Furman. revenue streams. Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast, uh, analyst for CBS Sports HQ, former odds maker. Talk some Super Bowl props next. Oh, I thought we'll you were talking text- about our locks of the day. Yeah, we'll do that too to end the show. Not much. And the text messages about what piece of Calgary should go in an Olympic medal. Mm-hmm. Lots to do in the last 25 or so minutes of the program. Big show, Russell and Rose, 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. We're trying to uh, connect with my pal Todd Furman. Maybe the times were mixed up, Patrick? No, I said uh, 7.30 Pacific, which is 8.30 Mountain. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe really Vegas got a hold of him. Well, he's he lives in Vegas. Yeah, but even people who live in Vegas this week is like nothing they've seen before. Yeah, that's true. Um, unfortunately, uh, nothing from Todd Furman yet, which is fine uh, because uh, we'll be doing a lot of the Super Bowl tomorrow with Ross Tucker, who, by the way, I saw this morning on uh, Good Morning Football on the NFL Network, and he also tweeted out a uh, delicious just trays of donuts. Oh, yeah, huge tray. Great spread. Yeah, that red velvet donut looked really good. I really zeroed in on that mm, one. I do like good red velvet. Could you yeah. imagine if the Stanley Cup was here during par- during the Stampede? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, that's another thing that I'm kind of thinking about is I'm thinking about, like, what would the Super Bowl in Vegas be like here? Like, that's the closest it would come. The Flames being in the Stanley Cup final, perhaps oh against another Canadian team during Stampede. <laughs> Oof. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> We need to either move the season back a month or move the stampede up a month. One of the two. I I couldn't imagine how incredible <laughs> that would be. Do you imagine what the games would be like? Like just the viewing parties? Yeah, like where they had the red lot. I don't know where you'd, you'd put like it. It'd be like a lawless land. We got, we got, oh, yeah. Got, well, it's already lawless, George. Boys, we got a, a Raptors trade. Oh. What? Yes. Okay. The Utah Jazz are finalizing, sending Canadian center Kelly Olynyk and guard <laughs> Ochai Ajbaji to the Raptors for Kira Lewis, Otto Porter, and a first-round pick. So the Raptors are giving up a first-round pick. To get Ol- Olynyk, Kelly Olynyk, Hell yeah. Good Canadian boy. <laughs> it's about time. The first-round pick will be the least it... favorable of the OKC yeah. Clippers, Rockets, or Jazz in okay. 2024. So Kelly Olynyk on the team. Yes. Uh, they already have Chris Boucher, who's never met a three, doesn't like to take. Yeah. They have R.J. Barrett. Yeah. So all Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster have to do now go get is go acquire Andrew Wiggins and Jamal Murray, and you're good. And, and Shea. And Shea. And Shea. Just those three guys. That'd be a pretty good team. <laughs> yeah, be a damn good team. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're like, oh, that's a bit of a group. <laughs> In the words of Frank Costanza, now you got a team. Now you got a team. It's that easy. Not that hard. Come on, you jeery. Pull something um, up. Yeah, it is the, the NBA trade deadline. We've been all over it all show. Well, we can't get enough. One o'clock. Don't miss it. Yeah. Um, we're uh, GDP's LeBron James gets traded from the Lakers to the Knicks. Can't wait. No, it's not going to happen. It'd be fun if it did. I don't even um, know who the biggest piece is at this deadline. If it's I'm probably DeJounte honest. Murray. Well, there was whispers about Trey Young, right? <laughs> I don't know where he plays. Whispers. Plays with the Hawks. In Atlanta? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Might be traded to yeah. New Orleans. <laughs> are the Pelicans Pelicans, good? Pelicans. Pelicans are all right. Oh. 
Yeah, I watched uh, Zion just, Williamson last night. He was just—he's just unstoppable when he gets in the paint. Anyway, way too much NBA talk. All right, <laughs> so uh, I'm right, a little disappointed we haven't connected with Todd Furman because mm. I really wanted to talk some uh, Super Bowl props. Maybe we can slide him in tomorrow at some point. Might be early. We got, yeah, we got Frank coming up at seven thirty tomorrow, right? And Kron's in studio. Yeah, at eight o'clock. And we're out to a guest at 8.30 as well. That would be more on Kuzmenko. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now it's 7, which is 6 a.m. in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, but he's up early. Todd gets up at like 4.30 every morning. Yeah, you're going to have to reach out and chat with your boy. See you if might you have can make to, it work. You might have to throw this you, one out you're there. You're going to have to. <laughs> sounds okay. like you're going to have to chat with your lad. Okay. Because uh, it's definitely uh, Super Bowl stuff. It's good to challenge. I mean, he's in, yeah. one of the we put him at the end guys. of Ross because Ross yeah. only goes 18 minutes. You can put him at the end of Ross. We also have oh, no, to do yeah, our big no, bets. So, yeah, so we got oh, yeah. Ross on anyway Ross tomorrow at 7, seven right? Yeah. We got oh, okay. NFL covered tomorrow. Yeah, we got straight right. guests from 7 to 9. Yeah. What do you got coming up at 9 tomorrow? Uh, sounds like I'm going to have uh, Andrew Hustler Patterson. He's a Chiefs guy. We'll talk some Jets as well. Okay. All right. This is kind of the spot. Damn it all. All right. Text messages. Uh, we've been asking you uh, all morning. Oh, by the way, I teased this earlier on in the show. I didn't, haven't got to it yet. Um, oh, Uncle Chen. Uncle Chen. I forgot about this. <laughs> so uh, months ago on the show, uh, we told you about a Chinese man who goes, uh, oh, no, Todd's ready. Oh, Todd just texted me back. Call oh. him back, GVP. All right. Tell your story while we're calling him. Okay, so uh, Uncle Chen is a uh, a man in his 50s who chain smokes while he runs marathons. Mm-hmm. So um, he was disqualified from a marathon last month uh, when he chain smoked his way through the entire 26-mile race. Uh, the Mail Online reported that the man known as Uncle Chen completed the Sha Mun Marathon in three hours and 33 minutes, but was disqualified for, quote, violating the uh, the rules of the race, which included uh, you can't smoke on the course. I don't understand why that's a rule. If he needs yeah, to like, smoke on the course, let him impede? be. Like, how does, sm- how does huffing heaters, how does crushing darts while you're running marathons, how does that help you run better? But apparently, uh, in its rules and regulations of the Shaman Marathon, it prohibits uh, open uh, defecation. Okay, so okay. that's good. Okay. Smoking or uh-huh. trampling on flower beds or green spaces. <laughs> okay, excellent news. Well, here's my thing about the smoking is, is it's secondhand. You know, like all those commercials I when I was growing up in the 90s, you know, smoke with your window down, that type of stuff, sure. so your kids don't get asthma. Somehow I okay, ended up with it anyways. But the that, man it, ran a marathon in three hours and 33 minutes while constantly I, smoking I, heaters. I agree. He should be celebrated at the utmost yeah. level, but yes. I am saying I understand why the organization said this isn't necessarily good for your fellow competitors. Listen. If you want to run a marathon and just rip darts the whole time, do it somewhere else. Just um, do it on your own time. Find sure. your own route. Just do it on your own time. You don't have so to do it with go. us. Free Uncle Chen. Hashtag Free Uncle Chen. Free yeah. Uncle Chen. Our guy. Unbelievable. All right. Um, do we have Todd there? I don't know. The phone line doesn't seem to be working. We're having troubles with the phones right now. Mm. Oh, my goodness. 
shoot them off. It's like it's not working. It's just endlessly ringing right now. Oh, okay. Hold on. Landline. I'm texting them. Hang on. Did you text the landline? Did you call the landline? I've tried both. Yes. Okay. Hang on. Maddie, why don't you tell us about movie night? Movie night. Yeah, yesterday was movie night. You know what I ended up watching? Uh, the theme for yesterday's movie night, which is kind of in theme with today and, and the coyotes down in Nevada that actually didn't attack a Super Bowl player. But uh, the theme was unruly animals. So the three choices yesterday were Roar, which is like a 1980s film where like 70 members of the cast and crew got hurt because they were working with real-life lions. So that was one. I'm very tempted to watch that. Uh, the other one was Cocaine Bear, more recent. Yep. But I ended up deciding on Snakes on a Plane. A little bit of Samuel L. Jackson in your life. And what a film, let me tell you. Just the peak of action cinema, George. Yep. These guys, obviously, you know, bad gangster. Uh, the, 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 the young lad who's very strapping sees him murder somebody. So they got to get this guy from Hawaii back to L.A., to get him on the bird. Uh, I loved all of the the introductions to all of the characters fitting all of the tropes of people that you see on a plane. There was obviously the the very um, uppity lady who had her uh, assistance dog with her. There was the the rude businessman. There was the rapper and his entourage, Keenan Thompson. Incredible role in this as well. There was uh, m- amounts of gratuitous nudity that totally was not needed, like the one scene where the snake bites the girl on the boob. You're like, this does. we didn't need to do this, but mm-hmm. sure, back in the day, this is how we rolled. I enjoyed it. I would give it four roses out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Why haven't we been doing that? Roses out of five? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just did it now. So yeah, like, we but can why do it from now on till forever. Yeah, we can do it forever. Yeah. We got time. All right. We got Todd? We got Todd. I'm excited. Uh, Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast, analyst for CBS Sports. Can we ask him how many roses he's going to give? Sorry, never mind. Okay, you go. My bad. Yeah, former odds maker um, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Broadcast Hotline. Mr. Furman, how are you, sir? I'm good, gentlemen. I apologize for some of the confusion this morning. Apparently, technology doesn't work down here in the desert as we have an influx of traffic for the lovely big game on Sunday. Oh, okay. All right. Um, we want to talk props with you because it's always super fun. Um, how many Taylor Swift-related props have you seen in the desert so far? You know, here's the caveat, guys. You don't get those kind of opportunities at any of the legalized and regulated sports books down here in Nevada. So you have to shop far and wide in some of those faraway places to be able to take advantage. Uh, but there is no doubt it is a major talking point for a lot of folks, and I have to give uh, a lot of the operators credit They've used Taylor Swift's song lyrics more than anything else to try and weave those into the prop menus that are here. But in terms of appearances, how many times she'll be seen on the broadcast, all of those unique offerings, you won't find any of those if folks are making their way down from Calgary to Vegas for the game. All right, Todd, uh, the coin flip. Uh, One of the most popular props. Uh, People can be super happy right at the beginning of the game or miserable depending on what they bet for the coin flip. Give us some insight on the coin flip? You know, uh, these are some of the props that I, I wish I had advanced knowledge of, George, because years ago there was a school of thought. People believed that if you bet heads on the coin toss, you were going to be given a competitive advantage because there was extra weight placed on the team logos and the helmets for those commemorative coins that they would use 
My only suggestion on this, rather than betting this through a sports book, find one of your buddies, convince them that they should be in minus 105, and do everything you can to try and book their action because it'll put you in a good spot uh, <laughs> instead of risking the $11 to win 10 in this kind of market. That should truly be even money. Um, the national anthem, that is something that uh, the number kind of leaks out uh, a little bit. Do you have any insight for us about the Reba McIntyre national anthem, Todd? You know, I have reached deep into the country music community in Nashville uh, with some of my closest <laughs> colleagues, and this has been a lot more tight-lipped than what we've seen in the past. I mean, I know we've talked about this over the years, George, on Sunday mornings, and the information is typically out there. People don't have access to the betting market because it's been pulled down. So I wish I had a little bit more perspective here. When you look at the over-under, though, for Reba, it's significantly shorter than what we've seen in the past. We'll see if she wants to relish the moment that she's up there. Uh, but a far cry from last year's anthem where the total went off right around uh, two minutes and two seconds. We're now hovering in that 90-second range. So let's see if she wants to really seize the day uh, and try and hang on to uh, the Star Spangled Banner as long as possible. How's the information gathering going on the Usher halftime show? You know, it's a market that's been interesting to watch to try and continue to see which will be the first song in his set. Uh, but the one thing that I have heard from a couple of people, they said if you have access to any of the props about Little John potentially being out there for a song mm. at any point during the halftime show, uh, that may be a prop bet that's worth dabbling on. There is uh, all sorts of buzz that Usher may want to bring out, some of the biggest personalities that are out there. But unfortunately for the Swifties, I don't think she will play a role uh, in any capacity, mm -hmm. assuming she's able to make the flight from Tokyo and get here before kickoff. Um, Todd, we've seen a ton of professional and sharp money come on the Niners. Can you tell us why? So the number, if you're looking at the season-long metrics here, is a touch short. Uh, if this game was played on Christmas where we saw the 49ers lose outright to the Baltimore Ravens, you know, as a six-point favorite, we saw the Chiefs drop that game to the Raiders on the same day as a double-digit favorite. You'd have been looking at San Francisco in that four-and-a-half-five range. Even if you look at the full body of work now, I don't quite get to this game being below a field goal. Now, all of that being said, matchup-wise, there are a lot of things that favor Kansas City, most notably the experience level that you get from Patrick Mahomes compared to his quarterback counterpart. Kyle Shanahan hasn't exactly performed well as a head coach or a coordinator on a stage this large, and you begin to check some of the boxes elsewhere on the roster, and you can understand why you know, people are a little bit surprised that the 49ers are favorites. Now, all of that being equal – I think it's important to look at this 49ers team and realize this may actually be a step down for this defense in terms of what kind of weaponry they're going to see. The Detroit Lions, one of the more dynamic attacks from top to bottom. If it wasn't for a couple of drops, though, it's probably the Lions in this game. And even the Green Bay Packers have a deeper receiving room than what the Kansas City Chiefs will throw at them. So you have seen a true battle here with professionals backing the Niners, recreational betters feeling much more comfortable being able to put their head on the pillow Saturday and Sunday night with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in their back pocket instead of Brock Purdy making a Super Bowl debut. Uh, the total. Uh, some money came in early on. It looked like sharp money was on the under, but a lot of public money was on the over. It looks like it's maybe evened out a little bit. What are you seeing on the under and the total here? You know, the total is interesting because we sit at 47.5, more or less the consensus. And two of the most important numbers if you're betting into NFL totals are the 44 and 47. So I'm very interested to see if there's enough under money that comes in to push this onto the key of 47. You know, if it did get to 46 and a half, I think you'd see a different school of thought, some over money start to enter. But I don't believe the number will go that far. 
for me, I don't get to where the current market is. My total in the game is more in that 45.6 range. So I do see a little bit of value going under. My biggest concern is that you have two head coaches that are extremely offensive-minded. You have more than capable attacks. And we've seen these teams do battle, albeit not recently, and really put some points on the board. So the scariest way to look at it is if one of these teams is facing a double-digit deficit, do you really want to be holding an under ticket? And I could see the clock continuing to tick. A lot of emphasis placed on the ground game for both sides. So if I was getting involved with the full game total, I would look to go under 47.5. You mentioned 44 and 47 are the key numbers. Why is that? So when you go through a lot of the permutations for the way NFL football games can fall, it's all about trying to identify the different paths to get to these numbers. And when you look and run countless trials and the way the game is played these days, you know, those are the two biggest numbers that come up. And it's not the same as looking at a three on a side for an NFL game going in. Uh, but when you're looking at more than, you know, two to three percent of potential outcomes coming on those totals, those are actually numbers where you'll see professional betters buy on or off to take advantage of it, even more so than if they're betting aside these days uh, and looking to try and get a number from six and a half to seven or from seven and a half down to seven. Todd, what are some of the player props you have your eye on? So these markets are always tricky because you do get the full uh, grocery list that's out there and they can move pretty quickly. But one number that hasn't moved a ton that I do think has some value is Brandon Ayuk receptions under four and a half. You have to lay a price of right around dollar forty or so to try and do that. Uh, Ayuk should be heavily involved in the offense, but I don't think he'll be a high-volume receiver. You look at the target share in the first two playoff games, targeted six, 14 times, excuse me, just six receptions total. Uh, he may have a big play in his arsenal, but I'm just not sure he's going to catch five balls or more. When you look elsewhere across the board, uh, some of the books will offer up the number of Kansas City Chiefs and 49ers to make receptions. 49ers players at 6.5, you'd have a chance to lay under minus $1.40. You just go through the roster for the 49ers. If Debo Samuel remains healthy, uh, I don't see seven 49ers will be catching footballs on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, and Debo Samuel rushing yards, numbers have been bet up a little bit from where it opened at 13.5. You can shop around. There are still some 15, 15.5. Uh, I think Debo is going to get three or four carries and have an opportunity to break a big run if they decide to take a little bit of the workload off Christian McCaffrey's plate, knowing that he's been dealing you know, with some lower body injuries and some of those aches and pains as most running backs do this late in the season. Todd, I feel like the Gatorade prop is one that if you get inside information, you can make some money on. Not only do you have to know where the Gatorade tub is going to be placed on the sidelines, you have to kind of handicap which team is going to win the game. Because if you don't have orange Gatorade per se on both sides and on both benches, then it almost becomes a two-leg parlay. So it's not as easy and straightforward as people think to try and do it. And you have to hope that they're not drinking all of the orange or the purple Gatorade, and they're not going to use a tub of water to be able to make it happen. So this is a prop bet that used to be significantly easier to try and get the information to handicap because both teams had the same colors on their respective sidelines. But you'd be amazed, gentlemen, in this day and age, the preference that these players have to make sure that they have proper liquid refreshments on their sidelines. Uh, Todd, I love it. Uh, unfortunately, we're up against it here. Um, let's do it again soon. I know you're big into the NHL. Uh, let's talk some NHL betting real soon. Thanks for this, pal. All the best at the Super Bowl. Hey, always a pleasure, guys. Good luck with your investments. And who knows, next time we talk, we're not sure what members we're still going to have in the Calgary Flames roster. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Todd. There he goes. Todd Furman, Bet the Board podcast analyst for CBS HQ, former odds maker for Caesars. Uh, Todd, super smart. I uh, used to be a college goaltender. Did you know that, Matty? Where at? Uh, what school did he go to? 
Now I'm blanking on that. But I bet he he's got an elite uh, prospects page. I, I, I don't know. Uh, you can, Does GVP has Wesleyan University? Yeah, Wesleyan. That's yeah. it. Yeah, a little div three score. Oh, oh two oh three. So that's going to be like a, a lot of if if this NCAA and CHL kind of yeah Listen, thing goes that's... through, then a lot of the uh, AJHL players are going to end up playing div three hockey like that. So yeah, it's a solid one. It's yeah. kind of like uh, okay. similar to U sport level. Okay, uh, we got lots to do here. so much <laughs> in the next like four minutes. Okay, so uh, let's do our lock of the day, and it's brought to you by Metal Supermarkets Calgary, offering a large variety of metal types and shapes cut to any size and ready fast. Metal Supermarkets Calgary, the convenience store for metal, located on 50th Avenue Southeast. Uh, Gentlemen, I am going to talk about the National Hockey League, and I am going to zero in on the Calgary Flames-New Jersey Devils match tonight in a game you can hear live right here on Sportsnet 960. I talked to Rick Ball. We talked to Rick Ball. I kind of floated it out there. The total of six and a half, I'm going to take the under. This potentially could be another spectacular start for Jacob Markstrom in what could be a sort of audition for the New Jersey Devils. Give me the under Devils and Flames tonight. Boom. I'm taking Lil John to appear. The no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But I, I, there's three teams tonight that are all underdogs that are all very good teams, and I like them all. They are the Avalanche. They are the Lightning. They are the Canucks. But my favorite of all is the Colorado Avalanche taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. They are an underdog on the money line, and uh, anytime I can get Nathan McKinnon as an underdog, sign me up. What do we got, Patrick? Uh, go to the NBA. Uh, battle uh, two uh, animals that live in the forest. The Timberwolves and the Bucks go over 226 and a half. Okay. GVP? Both. I'm going to zero in on this Flames and Devils game as well. Uh, Flames are an underdog on this one. I'm just going to take the Flames on the money line tonight. Okay. Whoa. Lock of the day brought to you by Metal Supermarkets Calgary, offering a large variety of metal types and shapes cut to any size and ready fast. Metal Supermarkets Calgary, the convenience store for metal, located on 50th Avenue Southeast. How much time do we have for text messages, Patrick? Uh, Like two minutes. Let's go. Hit him. Ginger beef. Crushed pieces of the iconic big blue ring. Dan in Concora, a cross section okay. of a natural gas pipeline. Some of the roof from Crack Max. <laughs> Chunks Which of one? the Sadler Dome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jamie in Airdrie. Gotta have some pieces of Senior's Pizza in those Signores. bad boys. Yeah, Senior's. Whether okay. it's pieces of the building or actual pizza, it will be up to someone else to decide. I'm no scientist. <laughs> Aubrey in the loop. Harvey's tongue. <laughs> okay. All right. The Jamaican bobsled. <laughs> okay. I think Go it's back at Ranchman's. I think it's at Ranchman's. Is it Ranchman's I think now? they put it back oh, there. Well. It was there. Somebody stole it. I think it's back. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like okay. Stolen. Yeah. Piece of brick from original French made. Nice. Yep. Classic right. French. Been beer. there once or twice. Brent in okay. Calgary. How about a chunk of that cold, creepy, concrete relic of a football stadium that was considered oh. an old venue back in 1988 at the Winter Olympic ceremonies? Love you, Stampeders. You deserve a new stadium. Tear it down and make some medals. Okay. Cody in Drumheller should put a little bit <laughs> they shovel out of the stables at Stampede in each medal. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> that's, that's it. 
It's that easy. All right. <laughs> Busy show. What do you got coming up at Mucho? Oh, we got Ben Jones of the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, he's, he's having a nice year. And then at 930, Justin Dunk. Uh, let's talk some CFL okay. free agency. Jam-packed. Great oh, yeah. job today, gentlemen. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, whatevs. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.